Hey, hello everyone and welcome to yet another episode of Conversations on India. And uh, today it's going to be uh, me and Panda and uh, we also have a friend with us, Prateek, who's going to join us. So there's going to be three of us here today and uh, uh, Krishna could not be here uh, with us today. He's celebrating Chhat at home. So uh, hopefully he'll be with us next episode. But uh, the three of us are going to be here to talk about uh, the relevant issues from this week. And uh, there are quite a few of them, but we have selected very three very special issues for all of you. So um, the first one is going to be uh, humanizing the death penalty. So death penalty is a law which is still practiced in India, both uh, in, in law as well as So uh, Panda is going to talk about that. Then uh, we also have uh, our topic around inflation management and uh, what are the tools that exist in India to manage uh, and control inflation given that the inflationary scenario that the whole world is going through. And uh, finally, uh, we are also going to have a discussion around genetic modification of uh, crops uh, because uh, very recently uh, uh, one GM crop was approved by uh, the Indian government. So we're going to talk about that as well. Hey, hi Panda, how are you doing? Hi bro, I'm fine. How are you? I think so Pratik is also joining. Yes, let me just invite Pratik as well. Here we go. Hello, hello, hello to our viewers. Welcome. We're just about to get started as soon as Pratik is here with us. So Panda, let's uh, start with your topic today because I see uh, quite a lot of uh, research that you have uh, gone through. So, uh, like, uh, let's let's start there, and then we can come back to Pratik's topic, and then finally, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's yeah right. I've been uh, trying to invite Pratik, but uh, somehow it's not happening. Let's just give it a minute um, for them to join. And uh, I, I can see there are a few people who have joined us. Uh, Rohan is here. Hey, hi, Rohan. And uh, who else is here? Right. Uh, you know, just try inviting him. Meanwhile, start my topic. Um, uh, yeah, uh, it says that he's unable to join. Um, just a second. Okay, he's here. Right. Yeah. Hey, hi Pratik. How are you doing? Hello, I'm fine. Hello, sir. Uh, <laughs> Hello, welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome. All right, awesome. So uh, let's get started without further ado. We have a few people here with us already. And uh, the first topic is we're going to start with Panda's topic uh, today, uh, which is uh, the death penalty and how uh, we can humanize uh, criminal justice. So Panda, take it away. Right. You know, uh, so my topic is going to be death penalty and criminalizing human justice. And the context of this topic is uh, the news in which regard this is here is that uh, recently the current Chief Justice of India, uh, Mr. Lalit, UU Lalit, uh, he has referred this case of uh, death penalty, you know, the provisions for implementation of death penalty to a larger bench, that is a five judge bench. Currently, there is no clear cut provision as to when the death penalty will be awarded and when it will not be awarded. You know, there are conflicting judgments on different procedural norms. There have been multiple doctrines that have been evolved. Uh, we have the rarest of rare case, which we'll be discussing uh, in due time. So this was the context in which we are going to discuss this topic. 
uh, first we'll uh, I'll just start with the need of this reference and then you know I'll uh, chip in your views so uh, there is this need for uh, this reference due to mainly three reasons the first is the varied criteria that i've already mentioned is that you know there is difference of opinion and approach among various judgments different judgments when they have awarded uh, death penalties there have been varying views uh, similar uh, situations but at times there would have been different uh punishment someone would have been awarded a capital punishment whereas for others it was life imprisonment so there there has not been a uniformity that is the first second is the enhanced scope uh you know supreme court when it has referred to a larger bench it has also listed that you know the age the educational levels the trauma of earlier life the social milieu that should also be considered while awarding a death penalty for example uh if you know the psychological evaluation of a victim of a convict and you know post conviction conduct everything that should be uh, taken into account while awarding a death penalty this was a, uh, this similar judgment it was given in manoj and others with the state of madhya pradesh right in 2022 uh, it had been iterated earlier this time it was explicitly iterated that uh, giving death penalty to everyone in similar circumstances is not uh, you know a true justice because someone would have come from a very harsh background which would have led to such circumstances so that is not and the other one is that we have talked about is a rarest of rare principle uh, the fundamentals of rarest of rare principles as to what affirms to that and new way of thinking so this has you know led to this thinking of a uh, procedural a standard procedural norm for death penalty and this is in this context that it has been referred to a larger bench right so i would want to know your views on uh, death penalty or capital punishment in india then we'll go into the cases and you know the pros and cons uh we'll start with you uh, pratik what are your views on death penalty uh regarding death penalty right now the rarest of rare doctrine is means uh, it is right it is needed in some some circumstances but uh, means overall we should move towards humanizing justice and uh, uh means the line you mentioned uh, that uh, certainty is a, a better a better deterrence that is a better way to go about it because death penalty there is no recourse of uh, recourse of coming back a life gone uh, can't be taken um, as the decision can't be taken again and uh, even as you mentioned that in 2009 uh, supreme court admitted that about one in every four cases was uh, means it was wrongly uh, uh, judged uh, so again that uh, shows that the rest of rare doctrines should be held in uh, means it should be held uh, in greater context right what's your views regarding this death penalty right so um on, on on the death penalty so just before coming on i was looking at uh, you know uh, what are the stats for death penalties when we compare uh, all of the various jurisdictions of the world and uh, you know uh, uh, something very sub- surprising uh, sort of uh, came up that uh, death penalty is actually uh, used very heavily only in asia and in some countries in africa and uh, it's it's largely absent uh, both in law as well as in in use uh, like in, like in practice in in most of the western world and uh, like even in countries where it is present in law it it is not really used in practice as well so uh, I, just uh, off the top of my head uh, there are some stats here uh, that uh, only 53 countries uh, which is about 27% of, of of all countries uh, are practicing uh, death penalty both in law and and practice and when we look at sort of the distribution of uh, you know how many death penalties are being awarded across uh, various countries so uh, china alone uh, actually uh, you know uh, 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 does more uh, death penalties than uh, all of uh, other countries combined 
so uh, basically uh, the chinese are the most heaviest users of uh, death penalty and uh, then uh, actually uh, in the second place is iraq uh, where uh, you know there are i think 348 death penalties are being awarded in the year 2019 and in in china the number is above 1000 and in fact the chinese government has not disclosed uh the number of death penalties that they have awarded uh, in 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 a year and in india in 2019 uh, the number was 78 plus so i'm i'm not sure what that means uh, but but uh, the the figure is uh, firmly in in two two digits and uh, the, the momentum of 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 the world seems to be going towards uh, you know uh, removing the death penalty from uh, all of the list of punishments uh, that, that that can be given out and uh, which is a way to humanize uh, justice as well and as as prateek rightly mentioned uh, once you uh, give the a uh, sentence of death you cannot really uh, take it back you cannot bring the person back to life and and it takes away the chance from the person to uh, sort of uh, you know uh, uh, to repent for their crimes and, and and to become a part of society again uh, despite uh, uh, you know whatever crime they might have committed however heinous it might have been uh, there there should be a place in society where uh, you know uh, looking at their conduct after their punishment after they have committed the crime if 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 they are deserving of uh, you know being led back into society there should be a, a way to do that so uh, i i i i personally uh, would say that uh, you know uh, death penalty should be uh, you know slowly uh, taken away from uh, from our justice system so uh, but but again uh, on 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 the counter view uh, there is also the fact that uh, the death penalty serves as a deterrent uh, so uh, you know uh, it 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 uh, sometimes it may happen that it prevents criminals from committing the most heinous crimes uh, because uh, you know they are they are afraid that they might get uh, death penalty if they uh, sort of get caught by the arms of the law so uh, like both of the considerations are there uh then another thing uh, th- th- that i looked at uh, just before coming on was uh, you know what do our ancient texts uh, say about it and uh, chanakya's niti is, is actually for uh, death punishment and and uh, it, it it believes that uh, you know it it is really important for the maintenance of social solidarity that uh, the state uh, you know wields the power of death penalty and and uh, death penalty can be awarded uh, to 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 people so uh, yeah those are just a couple of things that i want to mention right you know i would like to take a few points from prateek's argument uh, and uh, including yours so the issue that you were mentioning the word that you were finding is reformative justice so death penalty leaves no scope for reformative justice like once death penalty is awarded uh, he cannot be reformed like he is uh, not only existing that is first thing second thing that prateek mentioned was uh, another important point that you know uh, and this is very valid in today's context that basically it is not the punishment that acts as a deterrence but it is the surety of punishment that acts as a deterrence so basically you know normalizing death penalty is something that is going to hamper the uh, reformative justice at the same time uh, we would not need uh, a death penalty uh, if a strong deterrence was created by timely implementation of laws and solving of uh, all the disputes because uh, for example now there are cases that are pending for more than 20 years 30 years so that does not act as a proper deterrence in multiple situations you know but if a case is resolved as soon as you know uh, he's uh, culprit is found guilty and he is awarded punishment say life in prison as soon as possible so that acts as a much better deterrence that is one thing right now coming to stats uh, you had mentioned stats so in india after independence till now 752 death penalties have been awarded and pratik has also mentioned this and in 2009 supreme court has admitted that in last 15 years it had given 15 wrong death penalties so they were 15 lost lives 
who were you know innocent so again goes against the principle of uh, reformative justice at the same time you know the uh, court's own view that uh, we do not care if 100 prisoners walk free but one innocent should not uh, be in jail and death penalty is the ultimate uh, you know form of loss when it comes to this right so this is some uh, these are some facts and stats that are against the view of death penalty before coming to that let's just see what is the situation of death penalty in india currently and then we'll go about uh, this recent view of uh, referring to larger bench as to considering their background uh, regarding that so presently you know primarily the present death penalty is based on three cases that has uh, it has evolved over three cases uh, the first one was in 1974 it was the adiga anama case so basically in that the court stated that a special reason, uh, reason should be given uh, if you are imposing death penalty for example if a high court has imposed death penalty it should give a special reason as to we have imposed death penalty due to this then there was this famous bachchan singh case this is the most prominent case when it comes to death penalty bachchan singh case 1980 and it was here when the doctrine of rarest of rare cases was evolved again like the basic doctrine structure rarest of rare cases is never defined in our uh, you know any of the laws it is again uh, on the discretion of the court or i would say on the discretion of judge ultimately as to which cases can be seen as rarest of rarest again another data for example the death penalty has been awarded most of the cases in which death penalty has been awarded are the uh, crimes of sexual violence 65% of the death penalties are in those crimes right and then there was this machi singh case in 1983 in which uh, supreme court you know uh, highlighted that this rarest of rare uh, cases there should be certain factors that should be outlined to determine this for example that offense is committed that is so exceptional that there is no scope for awarding any other punishment or it goes against the spirit of society you know violating this so these are some uh, this is the basically the methodology how it has been evolved but ultimately the ultimate stance and the ultimate uh, question that arises that who is to determine that what are the rarest of rare cases so now presently this bench that has been referred uh, and this five judgment that is this case is being referred to that is going to determine as to what are the circumstances like basically this is what the mandate Uh, as of now says according to uh, the current chief justice of india as what are the procedural norms that are to be followed in awarding you know there have been reports by various law commissions that uh, the death penalty should only be awarded in cases of uh, possessing crime against uh, the nation you know terrorist activities that should be only case but again there are various circumstances that are going around it now the latest case the uh, manoj and others was the state of mp the 2022 cases which have uh, initiated this discussion it's stated that you know apart from considering what these rarest of rare cases include at the same time there should be a balance between the mitigating and aggravating factors so i'll just tell what these mitigating and aggravating factors are and then i'll have your views on this so basically what mitigating circumstances are basically these are these arguments that accused persons can present in their defense to avoid death sentences for example mental health like if the uh, convicted person is not mentally you know trauma in earlier life uh, then we have lack of a proper criminal record such things then there are this aggravating circumstances that are the counter of mitigating circumstances you know the harm that has been caused his long criminal record so supreme court has also said that there should be a balance between these two as to what was the background of the criminal that has committed this uh, act and what was the nature of his uh, you know activity for example if someone is not a habitual criminal and his uh, mitigating circumstances have been very rare and very bad so he can be considered for not opting for a death penalty that is something that has been observed anyways this discussion uh, is going to go now finally i would like to have your view as to total that how right do you think uh, 
uh, is the view of this aggravating and mitigating substances as to consider the history of a criminal before awarding death penalty first and second is uh, do you think that it is possible to it is humanly possible to come to an objective definition of what rarest of rare cases would determine uh, because there is no current guideline for example the basic doctrine does not have a uh, current guideline it always depends on case to case basis and on just to judge reference so do you think that it is possible uh, and if yes then what are your way forward Uh, considering death penalty in india uh, means i feel that objective definition won't be possible but uh, we can have some guidelines regarding it like if there is a terrorist activity or uh, uh, means there are such incidents which shakes the conscience of society like sexual violence which took place in 2012 nirbhaya case and others in those cases definitely death penalty is the option uh but otherwise uh, it is important to understand the mitigating and aggravating factors uh because um, when we see uh, like the who are the people who are getting punished uh, in this um, means who are uh, getting punished in death penalty are coming from um, means lower uh, lower strata of society they don't have proper representation uh, legal front to uh, fight and um, there are various factors due to which uh, they are not able to put their side uh, in front of court and uh, due to which uh, means it is important that uh, we need to understand that uh, um, means we need to understand that uh, what are the circumstances and uh, at the same time provide them with the legal aid as well so that they are able to represent those circumstances in front of court and uh, they uh, and everyone is aware of the uh, of their right uh, that is one thing and apart from that uh, as you mentioned about the retributive justice uh, we are moving definitely towards a reformative type of justice where we are uh, having more open prisons and at the same time we are uh, trying to reskill and uh, upskill the prisoners and uh, these are uh, good steps uh, one thing which is uh, said by some people regarding death penalty is that if death penalty is there then uh, the uh, police can uh, means they can ask for a plea bargain from uh, the people uh, from the prisoners like uh, they can uh, have them uh, settle for a lesser crime so but again then you are uh, means setting a wrong precedent for that so that won't be a proper uh, thing to justify death penalty uh, but uh, yes we can have a uh, means we can have three four cases where uh, death penalty can be option right so mm-hmm. framing a law in which there are certain cases as to only here the death penalty can apply and discretion be reduced yeah what's your views regarding this um yeah so uh, if if we look at the evolution of of the death penalty uh, so uh, the the first instance where uh, death penalty was uh, you know uh, written in law was uh, the code of hammurabi which is an ancient uh, you know uh, set of laws where uh, you know a, a bunch of uh, different kinds of laws were defined and in there uh, there were actually 25 different instances Uh, on on where the death penalty can be awarded and and even on things like uh, you know if an architect constructs a house and then the house falls down killing the owner then the architect shall also be put to death so uh, even in such cases death penalty was awarded but again those were ancient times where uh, you know life was much more brutal uh, killing and wars were uh, sort of very very common and uh, their uh, acceptance of death penalty so socially was uh, you know uh, was supposed maybe a little bit more uh but but these days uh, looking at the trend uh, worldwide uh, the trend of death penalty is is going down and uh, india should also uh, you know uh, be be in lockstep with that 
uh, what we can do is uh, maintain the death penalty in law but but start to take it away in practice uh, what what that does is it, it still maintains the deterrence of 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 the death penalty while uh, you know in in practice we are not awarding as many death penalties as 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 we used to and uh, another thing to mention about uh, death penalty here is that uh, you, you know the governor and the president have the power to uh, 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 you know prevent the death penalty and uh, convert it into a life sentence if 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 they uh, choose to so uh, and and uh, I, i don't have the stats on this but i think in pratibha patel's uh, presidency uh, during the last year i, I think she uh, sort of uh, all the death penalties that were awarded uh, she she prevented them so uh, i i mean um, maybe such a step can be taken where uh, you know we we don't execute the death penalties in in practice but but they still exist in law and 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 still uh, you know the case where uh, that pratik was mentioning that uh, maybe the death penalty can be used as uh, for for the criminals to plead to a lower crime uh maybe that could be a way where we are also lowering the stress on our justice system uh, because we all know that there is already you know way too many cases um, more than the bandwidth of our justice system so uh, in, uh, in 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 such cases where uh, through a plea bargain we can prevent the whole uh, trial and uh, the the criminal can plead to a, a lower crime where, where they're getting the punishment still but but it's not death penalty so so there are uh, practical ways around it uh, which which can still be worked out and uh, yeah uh, so my sense on this is that maintaining the deterrence value of a death penalty is still valuable and and uh, it it might help in some circumstances but but in practice we should definitely start to lower the numbers down right and uh, ultimately my final concluding remarks on this will be that uh, whatever be the case first is that there should always be a scope for reformative justice and that is something that we are moving towards from retributive justice you know because an eye for an eye will make the world blind so we cannot keep uh, that that is one thing and another thing and uh, in fact the most staunch uh, data that i would like to say uh, again you know i'm just reiterating it uh, against the death penalty is that supreme court's own Uh, acceptance of giving faulty death penalties uh, which could have been prevented otherwise you know there would have been uh, prevention law so that is something that also acts as a deterrent but yeah uh, i totally agree with uh, both of you that you know there need to be certain cases uh, for example like the law commission's report as terrorism and uh, again grave immoral damage to the society so there needs to be very uh, rare cases there which can be defined that is the rarest of rare cases doctrine but at the same time this doctrine should not be left to the discretion of the judges and the court uh, a proper norm procedural norms uh, should be established i think so that is uh, what we might see as to this reference to a larger right so this was all my topic all right awesome so uh, with that i think we can move on to our second topic and pratik uh, now i'll invite you to uh, sort of uh, lay down the context for inflation control mechanisms that we have in india and then now uh, me and panda can chime in on it as well yes uh, so my topic is uh, regarding inflation and what are the what is the current circumstances and the mechanism put uh, by the government for it uh, so recently uh, the cpi inflation was 7.4% uh, and uh, since 9 months uh, the target uh, that is of 4 plus minus 2 so upper bandwidth of 6 uh, has been breached for consecutively 3 quarters so um, we can see that inflation is a major issue right now uh, so government since 2015 has brought a monetary policy committee where six members are there uh, three are from the government uh, government side uh, means one is de facto rbi governor and uh, other three are from uh, our government appointee 
and uh, they target a uh, they target a mutually decided uh, inflation cpi inflation currently it is 4 plus minus 2 through a tool that is repo rate repo rate is basically a uh, in uh, interest rate at which rbi lends uh, its money to other banks so through that it uh, gives us uh, it gives a signal to the market that what are the inflationary uh, conditions and what are uh, what is uh, what it is predicting uh, going forward uh so this uh, this is the case and uh, due to uh, means in the rbi uh, 1934 act uh, it is mentioned that if it breaches its uh, target for three consecutive quarters rbi has to give uh, give a uh, reasons for one uh, like uh, what are the reasons uh, it is breaching the target second what are the steps that rbi is going to put uh, in place to check the uh, check the inflation and third is um, how much time it will take to control the inflation by putting those uh, putting those things in place so these are three things which uh, the rbi needs to give and uh, ha uh, and uh, these are the uh, major steps that are there and uh, regarding the reasons why inflation is increasing right now uh, the inflation has been increased since october 2021 uh 2021 a uh, major reason that time was core inflation there was pent up demand as well due to covid and uh, also there were some supply chain issues due to uh, covid and other reasons and uh, after that uh, from feb 24 uh, there was a ukraine crisis due to which a imported inflation came in uh, came in place crude prices increased and there was supply chain disruptions due to which uh, the gas prices also increased and uh, various uh, commodities like fertilizer and others their prices increased then uh, in summer there was food inflation due to wheat um, wheat shortage and also coal shortage and due to which energy prices increased so earlier it was core inflation then headline inflation which uh, also includes food as well as energy those came in and uh, due to which the inflation is on rise and uh, Uh, these are the major factors for inflation yeah so j- just a quick question pratik uh, for our viewers can you uh, define uh, these two terms core inflation and uh, head- headline inflation uh, like uh, yes. what, what is the difference there and uh, technically what what does this mean uh so um, means the cpi is the basket uh, for uh, through which the inflation is uh, captured inflation is basically rise of some commodities in given period of time so uh, the head uh, the core inflation includes all the things which are uh, means except uh, food energy transport and other volatile sectors so basically the uh, means from the basket if we remove food uh, energy and other things that is the core inflation and which is stable in uh, almost many contexts uh, but uh, the headline inflation also includes uh, food and energy uh, energy changes so these this is the major change mm-hmm. okay um so uh panda would you like to uh, chime in on this right you know uh, basically growing inflation all over the world has been a recent trend specifically after uh, covid 19 and uh, inflation in india has been uh, you know it has been uh, risen pradeep has rightly mentioned that the cpi the cpi uh, has been risen to 7.4% and i think so wpi that is the Uh, that is seen for the in- industrial sector that has crossed the double digit number but this is a trend that is worldwide that is currently being seen uh, and it is in this context that you know rbi is not taking much steps to 
uh, in fact rbi is focusing on the revival of the economy because uh, inflation plays a very important role in uh, employment generation uh, because when there is inflation there is huge uh, you know there is there is a boom in uh, industry like an excess boom in industry there is huge money that is floating in the markets uh, basically and that creates more jobs and more jobs leads to again uh, it's like there is a cycle this is what philip curve says that uh, when there is a rise in inflation there is a decrease in unemployment so because industries are earning more and then they are paying more and that is how money is floating uh, in, in the market like huge amount of money is floating in the market but again an optimal level of inflation is to be found because if there is too much excess inflation in the economy then it will become unviable for the customers and the consumers and then ultimately you know it will start leading to decreased demand and that is one thing right so that is why this target of 4 plus minus 2% has been set you know that is seen as an optimal target as to inflation should not go very much low because uh, you know if if you think in this way that yes uh, lower inflation is good for country yes it is good for it, it is good for the uh, pockets of consumer but for the country or the industrial sector it is not a very good thing you know when the money is not floating they have nothing to invest on they have no incentive to produce so that is why inflation is also necessary and at the same time it should not be too much because then it becomes too heavy on the consumers after covid this has been a growing trend uh, specifically the major reason for this and luckily india has relatively escaped that i'll just come to that point the major reason for the global world uh, inflation is that uh, there is this more and more inflow of free money that has been provided by the countries such as usa and japan that had provided huge amount of incentives and you know free money into the accounts of uh, consumers during the covid era india at the same time did not provide direct money you know direct money is the uh, highest form of Uh, factor that leads to the creation of inflation in fact india what it done did it uh, using the scheme that pradhan mantri uh, garib kalyan yojana it provided food and goods you know that are relatively you know that also lead to an inflation but that is relatively at a lower amount printing money leads to a huge amount of uh, inflation because that is directly money is being supplied so yes it is a growing uh, trend and now the growing trend specifically in october that pratik has already mentioned all these factors you know that it has been uh, due to the ukraine crisis uh the fuel inflation has been due to that we do not have cheap access to food uh, and globally the food, uh, fuel prices have been going up and other commodities have also you know due to this war that is going up then uh, uh since may he has also mentioned that you know these rates have increased by 190 points that is basically rbi is uh, you know rbi is setting up those repo rates at which price the banks can borrow from the rbi and uh, this is something that has led to this triggering of this rising inflation so it has its root during the covid and you know just when it was about to settle then we had this huge uh, pent up demand that is the increased demand and at the same time the russia ukraine war that has you know ultimately again uh, led to that jump uh, of inflation so this is the current trend that has led to this inflation there right. other factors too uh, i think so that will be coming up that is the base effect and other stuff that uh, prateek will be discussing later yeah so uh, i i just wanted to quickly uh, touch on uh, the issue uh, of inflation expectations so uh, while uh, you know inflation sets in because of these macro trends so uh, you both have mentioned covid as well as the ukraine crisis which is responsible for the rising prices of fuel and food and uh, because of the constraint supply chains uh, there is a supply side a shock which which results in you know lower supply of goods and and the goods are sort of increasing in in price uh, at, uh, at at the consumer level now now uh, this this all has meant that inflation has set in but 
uh, when it becomes uh, particularly pernicious is is, is when uh, you know uh, the inflation expectations also set in so uh, what are inflation expectations so for example consider the example of of our local milkman right uh, so uh, now if 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 the going rate for inflation over the last year was 10% and uh, now the the milkman will, will increase uh, the price of milk by by 10% just because of the expectation that okay last year it increased by 10% so all of his expenses are going to also increase he'll have to pay more for food more for education of his kids more for uh, you know rent and and all, all the other costs so he will increase uh, the, the the price of goods that that he's selling as well and 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 this trend sort of sets in across all all, all the sectors where uh, you know people are increasing prices not because uh, there is uh, you know some sort of macro trend or or there is a supply uh, constraint but because they expect uh, prices to go up and that is when uh, it it really uh, becomes very pernicious and 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 that's when uh, the economy can go down a spiral where uh, you know every year uh, there is 8 9 10% inflation and uh, that that is really very uh, that, that's a very damaging scenario that's why we we have all of these rules that uh, you know inflation uh, should not uh, increase for more than two quarters uh, and and that's when uh, you know you see uh, these uh, central banks taking really huge steps uh, to 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 prevent that uh, from happening so uh, I, i just wanted to quickly touch on that uh, you know inflation itself uh, it it sets in because of these macro issues but but then uh, it it becomes really very dangerous when uh, you know the entire population expects that inflation and uh, you know it, it takes actions based on that expectation uh, which which mean which makes that inflation uh, permanent right the psychological expectation yeah yes yeah prateek and uh... even means if inflation is going to rise then many people don't deposit their money in bank rather they buy goods like gold and uh, other uh, things due to which uh, means that is one thing the deposit goes down and also the uh, it is like a tax on poor people like invisible tax on poor people and they are the major sufferers of high inflation also people who are um, who are on fixed income like uh, the people who are on pension and other things uh, they have a fixed uh, pension so if the inflation is increasing uh, their pension is not increasing so they are also suffering so that's why we need to keep inflation in check this is one thing um uh, uh, rbi on its side is taking steps like it is it has increased uh, means it has increased uh, the repo rate by 190 basis points since may Uh, according to many it should have acted earlier it had a long sustained accommodative stance due to which there was a um, huge inflow of liquidity in uh, market uh, it could have taken the repo rate steadily since feb or even jan uh, according to many experts that is one thing it can be uh, that can be done by rbi but apart from that the inflation currently uh, means is majorly from supply side and uh, rbi uh, the tool which it has the repo rate doesn't influence the food rate and uh, the energy prices so the government from its side is also taking steps recently finance minister um, has said that the budget of the next year will majorly target on inflation and growth so um, on its side the government has taken few steps like it has cut on duty of on petrol also it has means uh, restricted export of some things and cut on import duty of some goods due to which there is higher supply of certain goods in the market and the uh, the supply side constraints can be eased up uh, these are some steps taken from both fiscal and monetary side uh, but uh, further steps need to be taken and uh, majorly uh, the steps that are uh, being suggested is one increasing the capital expenditure from the government side 
the private side is still facing constraints it doesn't have that much uh, liquidity and uh, various sectors are in stress so government side capex expenditure increase will cut on the revenue expenditure uh, the uh, means and it will improve infrastructure at the same time it will give money in the hands of poor um, and uh, yes uh, this is one thing and apart from that the tax revenue can be increased um, these two things uh, at least come to my mind readily right now right so um, we can discuss I... more on the steps regarding controlling inflation and other uh, issues regarding it yeah so uh, you know uh, now uh, all of us know this but but uh, just for our viewers uh, we can sort of uh, double click on uh, how uh, you know on 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 the macro trends how inflation is controlled so uh, in inflation is basically happening because uh, there is too much liquidity in the market uh, there is too much money in the hands of people and uh, you know uh, they're using that money to to buy stuff and uh, because of that demand uh, that is increased because of uh, high liquidity uh, the, the prices of the goods rise up because uh, you know uh, people have the purchasing power now uh, what what the central banks do in such a scenario is that they start increasing the interest rates on their side which enforces all of the banks to increase uh, consumer interest rates as well uh, what what that does is it it increases the uh, you know the, the the cost of money so uh, basically liquidity in the market goes down purchasing power of uh, people goes down and uh, that reduces uh, the demand for goods and uh, the, the the thought is that eventually uh, since there is no demand the prices of goods will start to come down as well so uh, basically this interest rate hiking is 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 being done uh, in in order to uh, you know uh, decrease the liquidity in the market and uh, th that is how uh, you know we are coming uh, up, up up with such a scenario now uh, uh, another important thing uh, to to observe here is that uh, you know uh, in inflation uh, as 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 prateek mentioned it it is a tax on the poor because uh, you know the, the richer classes actually uh, do not really feel inflation as much as as as, as the poor do uh, because uh, you know uh, the the living cost is is not that big a part of the income of the richer classes whereas the uh, poorer classes are actually uh, really hand to mouth and and they don't really have any savings to fall back upon so so when uh, price of goods increases and price of services increases the living cost increases and and uh, for the poor classes they are hurt really bad uh, so uh, like uh, these are uh, really the two things that i wanted to double click on um, now uh, panda do you Uh, have something to mention yeah. here you know i'll just pick up on the uh, discussion as to pradeek's question as to regarding other means and measures as to reduce inflation in the economy presently the most primary uh, cause that i can see and the most important solution that is also needed and has been highlighted again and again is i would say improving the logistics efficiency of the country there are this uh, supply side bottlenecks uh and uh, it the first inflation basically that was during covid even while you know the production was very low and the demand was equally low but still there was a rise in inflation due to the limited supply side uh uh this logistics that has that had been hampered due to the covid 19 yes uh, india as a country is not very efficient when it comes to logistics it has already been highlighted multiple times even by the world bank report that you know we account for 14% of our logistics cost uh, 14% of gdp in our logistics cost whereas the global average is only 8 to 9% so that is something that is also chipping in to the factor another important point that i see is that we need to go self reliance when it uh, self reliant when it comes to uh, crude and fuel uh, so yes we have been starting the uh, national biogas mission we have started fuel blending of petrol and diesel where the 
amount of imported fuel is uh, amount of imported crude sorry is going to go down but at the same time i think so more exploration needs to be done around uh, the resources that are available in the indian lands you know krishna godavari basin and stuff that is going to uh, act as a major uh, i would say resilient uh, or i wishes shock absorber when it comes to global events so presently the global uh, events when they impact indian uh, inflation targets they are mainly in the term of crude prices uh, we are 80% 80% over crude is imported so that is something uh, that is our achilles heel and it has been for long so this is something that we need to uh, improve upon second is rightly pratik has mentioned that you know uh, public capital expenditure that needs to be increased because private is presently not able to chip in and capital expenditure is something you know now again these are some technical terms uh, for our viewers that revenue expenditure and capital expenditure so revenue expenditure is the expenditure that you do on your day to day basis for example your salaries and capital expenditure is something that uh, that you do for generating assets of longer terms for example healthcare uh, schooling something that is going to fetch you you know returns over the years so investments need to be increased in such sectors uh, as compared to uh, revenue sectors and presently when private is not able to chip in because of the uh, liquidity crunch that it is facing at the same time there is huge liquidity that is primarily focused basically on the government side and the crude uh, fact so the public uh, capital expenditure needs to be enhanced so yes these two things are uh, very thing apart from that then it is just uh, other basic points as to enhancing the efficiency you know and this repo rate transition uh, when when this repo rate is high when it is transmitted to the consumers that also takes a lot of time uh, that also needs so these are major uh, these are minor steps but these two major steps the capital expenditure and i would say going uh, indigenous when it comes to oil production and so these are something that can you know boost this in the coming uh, future of india that can help us to relieve this inflation yeah, yeah. now and uh, also in the notes here i i see uh, something called base effect so uh, pradeep do you mind explaining uh, what what that is uh, so it is regarding year on uh, year base effect so if uh, last year the inflation was high uh, then this year when we calculate that inflation it will be uh, means it won't be that much higher uh so if last year it was 7% again um, on the basis of that uh, it will be level, uh, lower as compared to if last year it was 3% or something like that so when we calculate inflation that is on year on year basis so we calculate on what was the condition last time and on the basis of that uh, we uh, means have a uh, means how much inflation has re- uh, risen uh, we calculate according to that all right. right awesome so uh, we've had uh, you know our 20 minutes of discussion on inflation uh, uh, rising inflation and our control mechanisms that we have on it so uh, any any last thoughts on this before we move on to our next topic i guess we have covered all the major points one thing is that the frbm target uh, means again it is a technical term but uh, it was uh, something like uh the public debt it needs to be put in check and even the fiscal deficit and revenue uh, revenue deficit like the expenditure from the government and how much uh, the uh, resources it has it has to balance those things so the targets which were there it needs to maintain that and uh, uh, it will put in check uh, various expenditure from the government side if we if we are able to control this expenditure and put that much in capital expenditure and uh, at the same time do other um, means the atmanirbhar bharat and make in india what uh, uh, panda was suggesting if we are able to do that then uh, we will be uh, on right track to control inflation right, right. basically frbm act was a act that was mandated by the parliament 
just to act uh, like i would say just to legally restrict parliament spending because you know government is supreme in the uh, nation so it can go on minting money and spending whatever it wants but at the same time it will lead to rise in inflation so it was an act which has been breached much often the targets have been breached much often but it was a i would say a basis of a moral uh, limitation on the government and a legal one which has been violated as to the expenditure that it can do in proportion to the income that it is earning so that is what the frbm act was and yes uh, it has been breached often that is another thing uh, so that is also one leading cause but ultimately these are again uh, all these causes are related you know there is no single cause of inflation these are all related causes that you know uh, that uh, started domino effect if one starts happening then you know it, it leads to other and other and so that is why uh, you know controlling inflation takes a, a multi stake approach so that is All right. So, uh, yeah. Uh, with that, I think we can move on to our next topic, uh, which is around genetically modified crops. So, I'll just quickly uh, put it up in the chat. And uh, why we are discussing this topic is because uh, very recently, uh, the decision to approve uh, planting of uh, GM mustard crop uh, has has been taken by uh, the, at at the highest level in India. And uh, we are going to look at uh, you know. Uh, Now, what uh, genetically modified crops are? Uh, why we need them? Uh, why, how they can be harmful and so on? So uh, let me uh, sort of get started. And uh, where I would like to start is agricultural productivity. So uh, in India is a country which struggles with agricultural productivity. If you look at uh, you know our tonnage per hectare. uh in india does not do as well as uh, some of the advanced countries in the world and uh, agricultural productivity is actually affected by uh, multiple factors uh, such as mechanization uh, so that's the amount of machines that are uh, used on the field uh, the kind of fertilizers uh, that we use education level of the farmers uh then uh, you know uh, what kind of irrigation uh, they're using is, is is it like uh, some means of irrigation are present or or is it uh, basically rain fed uh farming that they're doing uh and uh, you know uh, what kind of pesticides are are being used and and so on so uh, th- there are multiple factors which affect uh, uh, you know agricultural productivity but uh, one way where uh, you know agricultural productivity can be increased without really investing in infrastructure is is by in- improving the quality of the seeds and and this is something that that had been done uh, even during the green revolution where high yield variety of uh, crops of uh, wheat and rice uh, w- were brought in and those increased other tonnage per hectare uh, in states such as punjab and uh, that uh, actually led india to become uh, food sufficient and, and we were not dependent on food imports uh, as we were in 1960s uh, because of these high yield variety seeds now uh, coming to uh, you know uh, this uh, genetically modified crops uh, these uh, have uh, have had uh, you know a, a very uh, dodgy history in india and uh, actually uh, genetically modified crops have faced a lot of barriers in 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 getting implemented so uh, one would think that uh, you know uh, it, it it is new technology that uh, we can now genetically modify seeds in order to make them more resilient to uh, let's say salinity or uh, more resilient against certain kinds of pests and uh, you know uh, uh, we can create seeds which which can yield more uh, crop per hectare or more crop per per input uh, but but these have faced uh, you know uh, some hurdles now uh, one example that i would like to quote here is uh, actually uh, bootleggers and baptist theory of uh, in in policy making so so this is actually a very fun uh, theory uh, where uh, in 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 southern america uh, there are some states where uh, on sundays uh, the sale of alcohol is banned 
and uh, why it was banned uh, was uh, they they had moral reasons. So basically, Baptists, who, who, which is the clergy of uh, basically the Christians uh, or, or or the devout uh, people who who follow the Christian faith, uh, they, they they consider alcohol bad. And on on Sunday, which is considered the day when they, when they go to church, they 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 don't want any sale of alcohol. So uh, th- those Baptists were in support of banning alcohol sale on on Sundays. But at the same time, even the bootleggers, uh, which were people who were uh, selling uh, basically who were hoarding alcohol on other days and selling it on Sundays for for a premium, uh, they also support this uh, law because uh, it it allows them to make a profit. They they, they can hoard up alcohol, uh, you know, all, all through the week, and then on Sundays when the official shops are not selling it, they can sell it for a premium and and make money that way. So basically, these Baptists and bootleggers are united uh, in 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 the law being persisted. Uh, whereas their reasons are very different. But uh, you know, as Shakespeare said, uh, that politics makes for strange bedfellows. And uh, something similar is actually happening in genetically modified crop regulation in India as well. So on on the one hand, we have the environmentalists who who say that uh, you know uh, the uh, genetically modified crops may uh, may harm the environment uh, because you know uh, there is a whole ecosystem on at the farm level which functions. Uh, so uh, if if you create a genetically modified crop which kills all of the pesticides, then that breaks the uh the, the the environmental food chain that exists and uh, that might hurt the entire ecosystem and and that might end up hurting the environment so uh, you know uh, they, they they are in in strong opposition of bringing these gm crops whereas uh, you know there are these pesticides and uh, insecticides and fertilizer companies uh, they are also against genetically modified crops because you know uh, gm crops uh, can be designed in such a way that they use less fertilizer and less uh, you know uh, uh, insecticides and uh, but but that would mean uh, that uh, these companies lose out on profits so uh, basically these uh, fertilizer companies and the environmentalists have been united e- even though the environmentalists also oppose the use of pesticides but still they they are invited in uh, they are united in this cause of preventing uh, gm crops from coming around so so uh, th- th- these two forces have actually uh you know uh, played a huge role in in preventing the the widespread use of uh, gm crops in india so uh, in in 2002 india approved the use of uh, bt cotton uh, which is a, a genetically modified version of cotton uh, which uh, basically what it does is it it contains poison within the plant so the pesticides which try to eat that plant uh, die the, the pests which try to eat the plant die so uh, that uh, uh, was impl- was already brought into use in 2002 and now we are doing the same for mustard and uh, right now this this doesn't really you know allow for uh, you know widespread use of uh, gm mustard but but it only allows it to be planted in the ground so, so there can be some trials which can go on now and eventually uh, you know gm mustard will will make its way in, into regular use but but uh, right now uh, it it's still sort of in the development phases so uh, uh i uh, the, the thing is that india really needs this agricultural productivity to increase and uh, the use of technology in such a scenario is really very important and uh, using this gm technology what we can do is uh, create seeds which are uh, you know specifically are uh, designed for the indian environment and uh, this gm technology is really very important for uh, india and and for other countries to invest in because uh, as as we go into the future uh, because of climate change 
the uh, the global temperatures are rising so we need crops which can survive higher temperatures as well as uh, you know as as we continue to reuse fertilizers and pesticides they 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 increase the salinity of the soil so uh, we'll also need crops which can survive uh, higher salinity so uh, all of these uh, different traits can be designed in the lab and 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 such crops can can be made but uh, this won't happen if if we have this huge opposition against uh you know uh, this this tech driven innovation uh, which is uh, through the environmentalists as well as the uh, fertilizer and pesticide companies so uh, this is uh, something that i wanted to mention and uh, you know uh, there is also another thought that uh, uh, genetically modified crops can actually be good for the environment because uh, we, we can design such crops that uh, use less amount of water so uh, india is already a water starved country and agriculture is the most water intensive activity that we do so if if we can design crops which use less water that would be all for the better so th 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 that would help the environment as well as we can make crops as i already mentioned which use less uh, fertilizers and pesticides so that again uh, will be very helpful for the environment so uh, e even the environmentalists should see uh, you know the advantage of using uh, gm crops and uh, uh, using technology basically to uh, come up with uh, the, the kind of seeds which are uh you know specific uh, to to uh to 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 the conditions of the place now uh, while these are all positives uh, there are also some negatives uh, uh, for for gm crops so uh, for example uh, there was this terminator technology that was brought in uh, by uh, monsanto uh, which is a um, biotechnology company what what they did was uh, they they created such seeds which could not be reused so so farmers what they normally do is uh, once the crop is planted harvested they they use the seeds from that crop to to plant the next cycle but uh, this company uh, in in trying to make profits what they did was they they invented this terminator technology where the seed could only be planted once so uh, the the seeds which came out of that crop could not then be reused to again uh, plant the next cycle so uh, such things need to be prevented but uh, at the same time uh, we should not make policy uh, we should not let policy become uh, you know a, a barrier in in development of technology so uh, that is sort of my uh, overall uh, view on this but uh, i would love to hear from you guys uh, sort of what is your opinion on uh, gm crops and, and uh, then we can sort of get into uh, what is the regulatory uh, you know environment in india and uh, there is the genetically engineering approval council which which is the highest level uh, council which looks after approval of these kind of crops so we we can get into that later but but first uh, more broadly on the gm phenomena in general so pratik let's go with you first and then panda so in general there is lot of apprehension from uh, means there are groups who have vested interest and other are just afraid regarding the uh, effects of uh, the gm crops uh, like there are various misconception that it will harm the genetic code of individuals it will also decrease the pollinate uh, the pollinator population in an area uh, also it may damage uh, the traditional species like it may it may be a invasive species so there are various misconceptions um but uh, again if uh, the highest regulatory body and various other uh, uh, means groups have approved a specific crop then i guess it should go ahead um means i guess uh, in before 3 to 4 years uh, about 100 nobel prize winners uh, they had signed a 
letter regarding uh, means more uh, acceptance of the gm crops so uh, the uh, means the scientific community is coming forward and trying to uh, bust the myths regarding gm crops um, so this is uh, there uh and at the same time we can also see that gm crops are being used in various uh, countries like in us there are gm uh, soya beans and other things then even bt brinjal is being planted in bangladesh and then it is coming through various channels in india so bt brinjal is being used then in uh, maharashtra in some parts uh, to just oppose the government there was plantation of uh, various uh, herbicide tolerant seeds and gm seeds uh, so this is uh, means it is present uh, so uh, we need to see that uh, are the misconception or various apprehension that are present really justified if they are so then uh, the scientific community and also the uh, gac they need to come forward and give the facts in public and have a open debate in the uh, in society uh, so that uh, the misconceptions are removed and there is a better approval because if people find the uh, means the positive quality like uh, as you mentioned it will be good for water uh, means it will be climate change tolerant it will have a higher yield uh, so uh, if these things are there and it doesn't have many downsides then uh, the people will show more uh, acceptance towards it and even the uh, political environment will have uh, even they will support uh, more uh, adoption of these things so we need to go forward with this and at the same time uh, burst the myths that are present yeah mm-hmm. pada right yeah so basically i'll just uh, start with a brief history and as to the genetic crops that are grown in india so basically this uh, crop that we're talking about gm mustard uh, surprisingly it was developed uh, 20 years back along with gm cotton in 2002 uh, by a professor of delhi university and uh, this is called the dhara mustard this is the name that has been given to this gm crop of mustard in india presently no edible food is genetically modified the only allowed crop as of now in india is bt cotton and that is for largest produ- larger production of cotton but uh, ultimately you know uh, somewhere or the other maybe the uh, cotton oil seeps in into our food but uh, as to now the regulations that have been given by the government is that uh, no edible uh, food in india is presently gm compliant that is not grown in india yes there have been various routes uh, pratik has mentioned few that uh, bt brinjal coming from uh, bangladesh in fact i'll give you another uh, view that in philippines there is a genetically modified rice that is uh, that is high quality of uh, golden rice you know vitamin a golden golden uh, golden rice so it has vitamin a that is also been coming then we have the soya bean uh, basically even that import of crushed soya bean is allowed in india but yes the crushed soya bean is only for Uh, left as an animal fodder so again it is not directly going to human like that is basically the argument that is being given by the government there have been instances uh, in maharashtra pratik has mentioned that uh, as a step to uh, you know show the resentment many farmers have illegally procured these gm seeds and they have started growing just to show uh, because it has better uh, capabilities you know this was the history of uh, gm crops in india now let's come to the pros and cons that have been discussed by you uh, i'll also take up those points so uh, first i'll go with the uh, arguments that are in favor of gm crop as to why gm crops should be grown so first is that they can address the challenges of food security that has been mentioned by you uh, you know then there was this higher yield and income mentioned by pratik uh, reduced use of pesticide and herbicide because uh, they can be made in such a way uh, now you're modifying it that Uh, the pests that eat them you know we have the bt the bollworm technology so the pests that eat them they die 
so that is that acts as a poison for these pests that is how uh, cotton works then they can withstand climate change uh, global temperature is rising that is another factor that we mentioned and uh, you know uh, we can also make india specific crops uh, augmenting to our demands and needs as to our consumption pattern that is something uh, and uh, bt cotton itself is a success i think so that itself necessitates uh, further research into uh, genetically modified crops then there are these arguments that are against the genetically modified crops and then we'll go into the gaec and the regulatory council and the debate that has been surrounding so the arguments that have been commonly that have been given uh, be it by the lobbying of the industries or the environmentalists the uh, and uh, some of these arguments are even valid you know not all are invalid some are valid the first one is that it can cause long term consequences on human health this is a very valid argument as to it is not the surety that it will cause a long term impact but long term studies have not been conducted and that can only be conducted once it is uh, you know inducted into our uh, normal so that is it is it is a sort of paradox so until we uh, start experimenting with it so the solution to that uh, that was mentioned by you is that you know we started on uh, it on a limiting uh, limited basis then you know we see the impact as to how vaccines and everything has been developed so that is something that can be done second is that you know uh, the terminator seed technology that is morally wrong that has been developed by the monsanto uh, monsanto uh, so you have already mentioned that you know if you have grown a crop so these crops are basically sterile they do not produce more offspring so you cannot produce seeds out of those crops so you will have to pay again and again for those genetically modified crops that has been done by multiple companies uh, you know just to reap more benefit and as a consequence farmers are ultimately you know they have to procure those seeds again and again and they are at disadvantage that is something so it makes the farmers susceptible to the mnc's practices malpractices then we also have this that uh, these bt cotton like this is a case study that bt cotton itself has been uh, uh, facing new pest attacks like new form of pests are coming up and they are attacking bt cotton so this is something that yes pradeep has also mentioned this point that you know they are acting as an invasive species after some time uh, which are attracting new pests and which are harmful not only for the uh, gt uh, G, uh, this gm cotton bt cotton but at the same time they might also impact the indigenous species that are already present you know so these are some factors that need to be dwelled into before going on to the pros and cons and uh, yeah ultimately then we'll just come to gac a very short info on gac so gac Uh, basically it is a statutory body uh, it was given statutory status in 1980s uh, under the ministry of environment uh, forest and climate change uh, what it does is basically it is the highest regulatory body to approve uh, whether crop is right for uh, the plantation a genetically modified crop so it had given permission in 2017 uh, fun fact it had given permission in 2017 for gm Uh, mustard it had approved the cultivation of gm mustard which was halted by the ministry of environment and supreme court you know there were some notions after that again again uh, this month uh, sorry last month because it was last month again it has given permission to two new species of gm uh, mustard again that you know they have been approved again and they are ready to go presently it has given permission for seed production like not direct plantation but for the seed production of gm mustard you know and uh, maybe the next step after seed production is the plantation of those seeds so basically this is the background that has been going we have had another spectacular uh, spectacular case of uh, in last year of gm rubber that has been you know experimented and it has been developed by the rubber board a statutory body to grow rubber species in the northeast so yes gm crops genetically modified crops are on the rise you know better production Uh, climate change and everything but this apprehension that we have you know the long term impact that they have that is the i think so the single factor like uh, as a pro argument i would only consider that as a single factor 
that needs to be determined you know well researched but as pratik has already mentioned that a nobel prize uh, winners they had come together uh, you know uh, validating the scientific uh, approval of these things and uh, giving their testimony as to how safe these uh, crops are but again i would just say that uh, only this apprehension is one to apprehension that remains that need to be concluded regarding them else uh, you know this technology i think so this is something that can do wonders when it comes to uh, this food accessibility and affordability in the coming years due to climate change right and and uh, you know uh, just to highlight the need for uh, such a technology that uh, you know right now the population of the world is around 8 billion and uh, uh, we are uh, destined to go up to 9 billion uh, you know uh, in, in in the future so uh, what that means is we need to increase the amount of food production but the area un- under farming will will remain the same because we, we're, we're not really going to invent new land or, or bring in new land where Uh, you know we we can plant uh, more stuff so basically we need to increase the productivity from the same amount of land and to do that uh, we really need these technological interventions which can enhance uh, the productivity from from same amount of land so in, instead of taking a luddite approach where, where we you know uh, sort of prevent any kind of research into genetically modified crops and and we prevent them uh, e- even from conducting trials even from conducting scientific studies on it uh instead of that uh, we should take a more accommodative approach uh, towards these new technologies and uh, you know uh, maybe uh, it is the case that uh, you know uh, some of these crops do not work out or some of these crops are actually bad for human health but but we can only know that once we go through the appropriate scientific studies and and uh, you know i identify it uh, through uh, you know a proper use of science and and not just uh, you know uh, prevent any kind of development in this field uh because of uh, the luddite mindset that uh, the environmentalists currently operate with yeah yeah i think your views any concluding remarks regarding the uh, gm crop debate uh, no uh, means only one thing is that uh, means in even in media or in other medium uh, there should be more debate regarding it like whatever uh, means there should be opposing side from uh, means who are who are in support who are not in support let them have a free debate and let them uh, let the views of uh, those debate be viewed and viewed by everyone so that it will bring more clarity on the subject um, and uh, whatever apprehensions are there that will get removed also uh, recently uh, the swadeshi jagran manch and some way, uh, some the traditional uh, pressure groups they were opposing this move one was regarding the uh, mnc uh, means as we mentioned about the terminator seed so the uh, monopolization of this seed sector by mnc that was we uh, being apprehensive uh, opposed second was that uh, accord means there were some research according to them the traditional yields were also uh, means they were also helpful for increasing yield uh, so what we need is more study on this uh second is debate third is regarding the seed variety they also need to be preserved and stored so that the invasive species or some other things are not up, uh, getting affected uh means they are not getting affected by that well, these are three things that come to mind right i think so yes open debate is something that is a very good uh, suggestion because that is something that will lead to uh, i would say accept mass acceptance and that is where the apprehensions basically chip in so yeah uh, open uh, discussion and debates regarding this is one thing that can also counter the impact of lobbying uh, that was was mentioning you know at the same time because when there is counter open counter views 
that are being presented with scientific data and facts so that is more appealing and accepting yeah so this is one very good point that i and also more research in uh, the universities like if the students also teachers get to know about various ideas that uh, means what developments can be done and uh, even students are aware about the positive negative it will be uh, very fruitful for the discussion whenever it is taken So, right uh, no presently when we have developed vaccines in a year and we are so uh, trustful regarding their acceptance uh, so i think so uh, it is only matter of times that uh, it is only a matter of time that something that has been developed 20 years uh, before now and it has not still been accepted so i think so this is a sort of uh, paradox or an oxymoron that is you know haunting us presently when we so badly need the food production in terms of climate crisis and the uh, growing food insecurity so that is one thing i think all right so yeah uh, to inspire more debate is is why we do this and uh, it, it was amazing to have uh, you know this discussion uh, here today uh, thank you so much to all of our viewers who joined us live and the ones who are going to see catches later on on spotify as well as on uh, instagram here and uh, thank you so much to pratik as well for uh, showing up and sharing his wonderful views with us and uh, as, as always uh, thanks to Mm-hmm. yeah you know and uh, again thank you everyone thank you viewers and all the best prateek for the results uh, <laughs> same to you all viewers you know uh, he is a is uh, irs officer of mm-hmm. same batch as raj right so yeah ho- hopefully uh, uh, prateek gets a better rank and uh, you know uh, maybe we can have one celebratory episode after the results are out <laughs> definitely uh, yeah all right yeah. awesome So uh, yeah, uh, thanks again. Uh, with that, uh, we can uh, uh, close episode seventy-five and uh, catch you all next week. Take care. Thank Bye. you, guys. Bye, Prati. Thank you.